Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here, um, one of the leaders in our youth group. So good to have you here tonight. Um, Hope you had a great spring break. Um, I haven't been here in six weeks. Six weeks. And uh, this is the first sermon that I've preached in six weeks. Haven't touched a microphone in six weeks. And so let's hope that I don't mess it up. Uh, Look at your neighbor and just say, let's hope this one isn't, isn't a stinker. Let's, like, let's hope this, this, this wasn't, doesn't go downhill. Um, hey, if you got a Bible tonight, go with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And uh, we're starting a brand new series tonight that will last the next two weeks or the next 10 weeks. I don't really know how long it's going to last. Um, no, probably like the next two weeks. Uh, but a series that we're starting tonight uh, that I've entitled this, Peace Be Still. All together, loud and proud, someone just say, Peace Be Still. Um, Brad's not here, so I can't like, you know, like, you know, celebrate him, but I'm sure he'll listen to the podcast. Uh, but Brad made this graphic today. Um, it, it's a nightmare sometimes like helping me out because I literally text him at 8am like, Brad, dude, um, are you game to make a graphic? Because I literally just decided what I want to preach on. Um, and, and like a, like a stud, uh, Brad sent me like five different graphics and I'm only saying this because, uh, Brad, if you're listening, you're amazing. I'm so thankful for you. Um, but out of, out of all the graphics, this one just caught my attention. It's my screensaver on my computer right now. I thought, man, if I could make this a painting, I'd put it on my wall somewhere. I just love the graphics so much. But we're starting the series, Peace Be Still, and here is the premise. The premise of this series is I would like to talk for the next number of weeks um, from, from this idea that peace, someone say peace, Um, say it like you mean it. Someone say peace. Peace. That peace is actually the will of God for your life. And actually it is possible. Um, Just, I know I'm asking for a lot of participation tonight. And um, I think my favorite part about asking for participation is the people who just like, they're looking at you like, no. Like, I'm, I'm not doing anything tonight. Um, but, but, I mean, just full participation. Um, how, how many of you, you would just admit, whether it's, it's past or present, that uh, you've ever felt anxiety? You've ever felt stressed? You've ever felt worried? You've, you've ever just felt like, I love the person that's like, not me, bro. Like, ne- like never. I, I think that stress, anxiety, pressure, um, like, just like the, 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 the weightiness, of, I think it affects us all. Um, I, I, I really, this is not my expertise, and so I can't give you statistics, and I can't tell you why it's happening culturally and sociologically, so to speak, but, but one, one thing that I do know is that the reality is that your generation, uh, my, my generation, just the culture we're in, that one of the things that is one of the prevalent things, the issues that is dominating people, it's this whole idea of, of anxiety. It's stress. It's pressure. It's feeling um, uh, not at ease on the inside. And, and, and this, I don't know how, how this sits with you, but, but I just want to say it again, that I really believe that peace, uh, the, the way that it's really make, making sense in my heart is just a great calm. Like, like, have you ever just like had a moment where it's like, and you just feel calm? I, I, I really believe that peace, a great calm it's actually the will of God for your life. 
Like not momentary based on the circumstance or situation, but that our entire life, it's the will of God that we just live it at peace, at ease. That there's a great calm that comes over our life. And and I I just want to say it again. I believe peace is possible. Um, This is not the text I ask you to open up to. Uh, If you got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter eight, but I want to read you kind of a bunch of scriptures tonight. Maybe it's not a bunch, but it's, it's, I feel like it's a lot. Uh, Three different scriptures, but kind of in different translations. Um, I want to read you some scriptures just before we even get to Matthew chapter eight uh, to help you to see the Bible actually talks about peace as being the will of God and a promise from God, something that's possible. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 27, this is from the ESV version. It says this, Jesus is talking. He says, peace, someone say peace. Peace. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Notice, not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I love this. Uh, Read it with me from the New Living Translation, the NLT. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. I'm I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And listen to this. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. He, He goes, I'm leaving a gift with you. It's peace. It's peace of mind, peace of heart. It's a great calm. And he says, and the peace that I give as a gift, the world cannot give. Listen to this. So do not be troubled or afraid. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter six, Jesus again is speaking. And Jesus says in verse 25, he says, uh, Matthew six twenty-five. he says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Show of hands, have you ever been anxious or stressed about your life before? I just had coffee with two hours with someone today, and the, the, the predominant theme of our conversation is, bro, I am so anxious about my life right now. Jesus goes, don't be anxious about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Verse 34, this one will hit close to home for all of us, I think. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Have you ever felt anxious and stressed and worried? And it's not even about today, but it's tomorrow. Man, what does the future hold for my life? Man, what does the future hold for my family? Man, I, I, I know that Easter was fine this year, but next Easter will, will my whole family even be sitting at the table? He says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, but sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Last one I want to read to you, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, a pretty familiar passage uh, for maybe many of us. Paul writes and he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Um, Anybody, do you have a friend that uh, they often say things that are not true. And anybody, like you got a friend that, uh, I, you, you may have heard, t- heard me tell the story before, but I had a friend in eighth and ninth grade. Um, I went to Royal Oak 
middle school. We were the Royal Oak Roadrunners, Roadrunner pride. I played flag football two years, and I rode the proverbial bench because there was no bench, and I basically just sat on the grass. It was awesome. Um, but I went to Royal Oak for two years, eighth and, and ninth grade, and um, I had a friend. And this friend, to say the least, was not athletic. Like, you, you know those people that are just super athletic? Like, do you, like, maybe you are that person, and they're just freaks of nature at everything. Uh, Matt's right here. We have a, a mutual friend, family member kind of, uh, named Drew Parra, um, Andrew Parra, and he was just a freak of nature at everything. By the way, if that's you, I love you, but I hate you because I'm jealous of you. Like, it didn't matter what we played. He was so good. This was not my friend Daniel from middle school, high school. He was unathletic to say the least. Anybody, you're just like proud and you'll be like, listen, bro, right now, I'll tell you I'm not athletic. Any people, you're like, sports are not my, my thing. And uh, in eighth and ninth grade, we were really into skateboarding, like super into skateboarding. Um, I was never any good, but I was really into it. And um, the, at, at, at our middle school, there was this long like uh, set of stairs. It probably like literally went from the stage all the way to like maybe like the back door. It was just this long set of stairs. And I don't know how tall it really was because in eighth and ninth grade, I probably wasn't as tall as I am now. But I remember like the railing being like up to like here, like, you know, not in between my belly button and as my four-year-old would say, my nickels. Um, it's so cute and he's like, look at my nickels. Um, but it was like, the, the railing was nickel high. And, um, and I, I remember he, he would often be like, yeah, man, last night, you know, just got bored. He lived pretty close to school, but yeah, bro, I got bored last night and I just, you know, skated over here, man. Bro, I board slid this whole rail. And I'm looking at him like, not possible. This rail is nickel high. Like, they, like, this, like you, you can't even sneeze that high, man. Like, like, there's, you, like, there's no way. And every time he would tell us about his great feats, in my mind, I would go, impossible. That's, that's so impossible. I'm just going to be honest with you. The, the scriptures we just read tonight, if I'm being truthful, my feelings, my emotions, a lot of time when I read passages like, peace I give to you, Hey, don't, don't be anxious. Don't be worried. I, in my heart, I go, <laughs> impossible. You're right. Like, have you ever read something in the Bible or someone told you something about the Bible and in your heart you go, yeah, right. Like, let's just take Philippians 4, 6 through 7 real quick. Be anxious for nothing. Anybody just brave enough to admit, like, Bro, that sounds impossible. Like, like literally be anxious and worried about, like, this is why I can't trust the Bible because it says that like, but, but again, I want to tell you tonight that peace is the will of God for your life and peace is possible. I want, I want to show you something tonight from Matthew chapter eight. Um, this was not what I was originally going to preach on like this time last week as I was thinking about it, but I read Matthew chapter eight this past week. And this portion has so captured my heart that I want to share it with you. And I really believe God's going to speak to you from it. Matthew chapter eight. Um, I'm going to read you verse 23 all the way through verse 27. Uh, you can just keep up with me on the screen. It says this. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. He's talking about Jesus. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. Someone say asleep. He was asleep. And so they went and woke him, 
saying, save us, Lord. We're dying out here. We're perishing. Verse 26, and he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and he rebuked the wind and the wave. And there was a, there's that phrase that's been in my heart. There was a great calm. There was a great calm. And verse 27 says, the men marveled saying, what sort of man is this? That even the winds and the seas obey him. This passage, I'll summarize it for you. Jesus and his disciples, they get into a boat. Uh, anybody, are you, are you like a boating person? Like anybody, you kill people are boating people. Um, I've never been a boating person. I've never like owned a boat or really been on a boat a lot, but they're on a boat. And I have no experience really in the ocean. I've been on a boat in the lake, but not the ocean. That's not true. I went on a cruise ship. Does that count? I don't think it counts. Um, it counts? Okay, it counts. Um, so they're, they're, they're in a boat and the Bible says that out of nowhere a storm arose. The storm comes and the storm is so severe that waves are filling the boat. Now, not all of the disciples were fishermen, but some of the disciples were fishermen before they decided to follow Jesus. And so we know that like, maybe they're not professionals, maybe they're not experts, but they have experience. And those who are experienced, the waves are filling the boat to the point that here's, here's their conclusion. We all gonna die. It's... Bro, it is over. We are done. And the Bible says that while they're all freaking out and the wind and the waves are filling the boat, that Jesus is asleep. Are, are, are you a light sleeper or are you a heavy sleeper? Like can just, can, can any, any heavy sleepers, you can sleep through anything. Um, my, my, my daughter, Brooklyn, is the heaviest sleeper. I promise you, like someone could pick our house up and move it across the country. And if it happens in an eight hour span, she's not waking up. Jesus is asleep. The Bible, the Bible says the disciples go, Jesus, Jesus, we're dying out here. Save us. And this is so Jesus. He, he wakes up and he asks a really ridiculous question. Waves are filling the boat. They're in the middle of a storm. The boat's about to like sink. And you're like, guys, why are you afraid? Um, obvious answer. But, but, but Jesus goes, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why you're afraid. He says, oh, you of little faith. And Jesus gets up and the Bible says Jesus rebukes the wind and the wave. That word rebukes a really strong word. It's like give stern correction. You ever been corrected by your parents in a way that startles you? Like, you know, some corrections like, ah, okay, I hear what you're saying, but have your mom or dad ever raised your voice that you're like, oh my gosh, I might die today. Like, it's like, it's life is over for me. Like, rebuke is a strong correction. And, and, and he rebukes the wind and waves and there's just a, whew, there's a great calm. I, I want to make three observations tonight. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I hope you are taking notes, um, at least mental notes, that is. Uh, but if you're taking notes, write this down. My first observation simply is this, that life is full of storms. Um, if you came for, for, for good news tonight, I do have good news, uh, but this is not part of it. Life is full of storms. Uh, the Bible says this in John 16, 33, Jesus is talking again. And Jesus says in John 16, 33, he being so encouraging, uh, he says this about uh, life. He says, and um, that's 
that's John 16, 3. Um, I thought I was going for John 16, 33. No worries, no sweats at all. Um, I can't quote it directly, but Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Someone say, you will. You will. Look at your neighbor and say, you better believe it. Like, you, you will, man. Uh, Jesus in John 16, 33, he goes, listen, in this life, you will have trouble. You, you, like, you, you just will. First Peter, uh, I believe it's chapter four, verse 12, Peter is speaking and, and P- Peter goes, um, why are you surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you? In other words, Peter's writing to people and they're surprised. They're, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we signed up to follow Jesus so that like everything would be rainbows and cupcakes and unicorns and like more money and more likes and more followers. Like, why are bad things happening? And Peter goes, why are you surprised? The, the, the reality is, and we just got to settle in our heart, life is full of storms. I've heard people talk about this passage and I've heard some people say, well, this storm they were going through, it was a demonic attack. Do you know that person that the devil is behind every door for them? It's like, man, the devil, he blew my car up. No, you just haven't put oil in it in 17 years. Um, you blew your car up, sir. It wasn't the devil, it was you. And, and I've heard some, some people go, well, this storm, it was an attack of the devil. I, I, I know people um, that everything in life is like, yeah, man, I'm under attack. And I don't wanna minimize that because here's what the Bible says. There's a real enemy. Like, like we, we can't believe in a real God and not believe there's a real enemy. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. First uh, Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant for the adversary. He's looking for every opportunity to devour your life. Oh, there is an enemy. And the reality is there are storms. There are circumstances, there are situations that you better believe it's a demonic attack or something inspired by the devil to stop you, to discourage you, to keep you from moving forward. But, but here's my conclusion. Maybe, maybe it was like a, an attack of the enemy or maybe it was just a storm. Like, what, what was it last weekend that we had like, torrential downpours. Anybody remember that? It's like, like God opened the sky up, was like, hey, I have a mass excess of water. I need to get rid of it. Um, you're welcome. Like, I, I, I wasn't laying in my bed like, oh, I don't know if you're a golf fan, but there's a golf tournament called the Masters on last week and it got canceled on Saturday because of like the rain. And I wasn't sitting on my couch like, oh, this storm's the devil. It's, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the... No, it's like, it's just, guys, hey, it's just a storm. And, and I don't want to minimize. There are some things that we got to go, man, this is the enemy right now. But then there's other things that we go, this is just life. Hey, guess what? We live in a fallen, broken world that has been infected and affected by sin. And newsflash, God isn't doing any of it. It's just the world we live in. The Bible goes, evil does not come from God. No, good, perfect, and pleasing things. The book of James says, evil doesn't come from God. Sometimes it's just life. And, and, and I just want to remind you, maybe encourage you, 
if, if that's even a good word, that if you're here tonight and you're going through something, you're facing something, it might be the enemy. It might just be life. It might even be the result of bad decision-making. The reality is life is just full of storms. Life is full of ups and downs. Life is full of trial. Life is full of tribulation. But here is the reality in the midst of it. In the midst of the storms of life, pressure, anxiety, stress, the weight of the world on your shoulders, peace is possible. I want you to write this down. Second thought tonight. It's this, that peace is not, someone say is not. not. Peace is not circumstantial. So let's just take a quick like overview of this passage in Matthew. Um, The disciples seem to think and act like, hey, my ability to have peace is completely circumstantial. They're go, they're, and by the way, I'm not saying like if you get, if you like go on a carnival cruise this summer and there's like a, like a massive like storm, um, I'm not saying you just tell the captain like, bro, don't worry about it. It's fine. Like, like they're freaking out kind of rightfully, but just for, for way of example, they're going like, yo, we have no peace right now because the wind and waves are about to kill us. But John 14, 27, I want to read it to you again. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. But listen, but it's not as the world gives. But let's just be, 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 be honest and see the contrast. Peace in our world, it is circumstantial. The, 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 the way that culture talks about it, the, the way that maybe your teacher talks about it, maybe, maybe the way that you were raised, uh, the world we live in, in our flesh, peace is circumstantial. I wrote this down. I want to read it from, from my notes. Um, uh, the world's idea of peace is the absence. Someone say absence. Is the absence of chaos, the absence of pain, the absence of conflict. But Jesus says the peace he gives is not the peace like the world has to offer. While the world's peace is the absence of chaos, pain, and conflict, the peace that God offers is not the absence, but rather the presence of his spirit at all times. The, 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 the thing that really captured my attention in Matthew chapter 8 in this passage um, it wasn't that he calmed the wind and the waves. That actually didn't capture my attention at all. I, like we, we will in the following weeks, we're gonna preach about that be, because I, I think that we do need to realize we have authority and that God actually has given us the authority and the ability to use our words and to command things that are out of order to come back into order. We actually have the ability to change circumstance and situation in the name of Jesus. And we'll talk about that, but it's not the thing that really got me. You know what really got me? What really got me was that Jesus was asleep. That's what got me. I'm, I'm, I'm reading Matthew chapter eight, and you know what I'm wondering while I'm reading it? I'm trying to cross my arms, the microphone's messing it up. If, if they wouldn't have woke Jesus up, would he have woken up? I'm, I'm reading Matthew chapter eight, and I'm going, if they wouldn't have woke Jesus up, would he have slept all the way to the other side? Got up after a long nap. If you read Matthew 8, 
he literally, they get to the shore and like there's a guy possessed by a demon. So it wouldn't have been like a long rest, but just like when he's gotten up like, oh man, I needed that. Whoa, what's up, Legion? Many, um, that's a lot of demons. Let's like, would he have slept through the whole thing? Because there's no indication that Jesus was at all bothered by the storm. There's no indication that at all, while the disciples thought this is gonna kill us, there's no indication that Jesus had any concern or had any conclusion drawn that this thing was gonna take, take him out. I, I thought about the scripture, Psalm 127, verse two. Uh, it's a scripture that I would write down if I were you. I'd get a tattoo of it and look at it often. Um, kidding, don't tell your parents I told you to get a tattoo they might think that's evil. I don't know. Um, but Psalm 127 verse two, it says, it's vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Listen to this. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Have you ever lost sleep because you were so anxious? You ever lost sleep because you were so worried? I, I would like to say that um, many of the times that I've gotten up in the middle of the night or I've gotten up early to pray is because I'm spiritual. But if I'm just being honest, it's because I'm worried. It's because I'm anxious. It's because I'm afraid. I can't tell you how many times I've woken up in the middle of the night and just stared at my ceiling and been so afraid of something that is present in my life. Been so worried about tomorrow. Been so anxious about feeling like I think I'm, I think I'm stuck. I think I'm failing. I think I'm, the Bible says, you know, it's vain that you rise up early and that you go late to rest. In other words, it's vain that you lose sleep, eating the bread of anxious toil. Why? For he gives to his beloved sleep. He gives to his Beloved, sleep. I want to ask you this question tonight. Um, what if God isn't as interested in calming whatever storm you're in as much as he's interested in giving you a great calm in the midst of it? We, we automatically consider often, yeah, man, really going through it. Hey, would you just pray that like the wind and the waves would go away? Again, we're going to talk about it. I'm not, I'm not saying that we, that's like, like off, you know, offline. But have you ever considered that, that God isn't as interested maybe as we think he is sometimes at calming the storm as much as he is in giving you a great calm in the midst of it? So much so that, that even though the circumstance or the situation is raging around you, Like Jesus, you have sleep, you have rest, you're calm on the inside. Jesus is proof, if you ask me, that peace in the midst of life's circumstance and situation is possible. Now, here, here's the question, and I want to draw this thing to a close, and I want to end right here. How? Someone say how. How, um, how do I get peace? How do I get peace, Brandon, in the midst of circumstance and situation? 
just real quick by show of hands, uh, no, no one's too cool for school. I just want everyone to kind of see we're on the same page tonight. Um, how, how many of you would agree with me that if there was a way to have peace and calm on the inside, no matter what's going on, it's something that we should probably be interested in. That's like, we, again, life is full of storms. If, if we think that our peace and our ability to is predicated on circumstance and situation, guess what? You are in, you, you're in for a miserable life of ups and downs and ups and downs. And like, am I the only one that emotionally I'm on a roller coaster sometimes? I can have the best day ever. Like, oh man, bro, I love God. I love life. I love my kids. I love my yard. And, and the next day be like, why have you forsaken me, God? Like what, like, what is going on? I want to kick a puppy, and I love puppies. What's like, if your peace is predicated on circumstance, guess what? You're going up and down and up and down. But, but peace is possible no matter what circumstance shows. And, and, and here's, here's where I think we find the answer. Jesus asked this question, but really he's making a statement. And here's what he asks. He says, why are you so afraid? Now notice he didn't give him time to answer. The answer is pretty obvious because we're going to die, man. Like I, don't, like, I don't know why you, um, I, I, I took uh, Evelyn, my daughter, she's eight last year to carry ones on a roller coaster. Um, we're literally in the middle of a loop. Is that what you call it? Like when it's upside down, a loop, we're upside down. And I'm like, this is the best. And she goes, dad, my seatbelt came undone. Um, and legitimately it had come undone. And we're upside down. Now, apparently that's the secondary seatbelt. And I'm like, Mr. Carowinds worker, I don't care if it's the secondary, the third dairy, the fourth. You better fix it, man, because my daughter was in that thing. And I'm like, I'm like, why were you freaking out? Because the seatbelt was undone. Why are you afraid? Because the wind and the waves are raging. But he answers the question, because it's not really the question. He goes, why are you so fearful, oh, you of little faith? Oh, you of little faith. Faith. In other words, it's not a point, but you could write it down. Faith, someone say faith. Faith, faith is the key to peace. Now, let me, let me, let me pause because I, I want to unpack this and um, I promise you we're going to be done soon. That doesn't mean a whole lot, but I promise you. I'm trying my best. But if you don't get anything else, this, I, I want you to get this tonight. I, I have read this passage and heard this passage for as long as I can remember. I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up in church. I've heard the story of peace be still forever. And every time I hear him go, you, oh, ye of little faith, here, here's what I think. Okay, so I gotta like, you know, like, but like, like believe more. Okay, so like I gotta like, you know, do a better job of like mustering up. Okay, I'm in the midst of a storm. What are all the promises God is? What are all the scriptures? And I've always kind of thought of faith as like this thing that I have to do, this thing that I have to achieve. I've even thought before that Jesus was frustrated and what he was talking about is like, guys, I've given you authority. Why are you waking me up, bro? You calm the storm. But but again, I, I, I was reading this the other day and what really stuck out to me is that Jesus was asleep. And I thought, how is it that Jesus could be sleeping in the middle of the storm? And what, what does he mean, you have little faith? And it's almost like 
like the light bulb went on. And this is going to sound really dumb. So just please bear with me. But here's what I thought. Oh, Matthew 8 comes after Matthew 6 and 7. Like dumb, right? Like, well, you can count. We're so proud of you. Hey, is your pastor like struggle? Like, like, he's, like he's, he can count now. But I thought, wow, Matthew 8 comes after Matthew 6 and 7. Now, what, why does that matter? Well, because Matthew 6 and 7, Jesus just got done preaching a very long sermon. And do you know what the primary content of his sermon was about? It was about a good heavenly father who loves his kids. Made, made me think, and I wish we can go all, to all these Christians, we just don't have time. But it made me think about Jesus when he was baptized. Anybody remember what Jesus was baptized? And remember when Jesus came out of the water, what happened? The heavens opened and what did God say? This is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son. I'm well pleased. Matthew chapter six and seven, he just got done preaching for who knows how long, all about how we have this good heavenly father who loves us more than we possibly can imagine. All those passages we read in Matthew chapter six, do you know the content of the sermon? The content of the sermon was, guys, you don't have to be anxious or worried. Why? Because you have a good heavenly father who knows everything you have need of before you even ask. Matthew chapter seven, he goes, guys, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. And he goes, you earthly dads, if you know how to give good gifts like Nintendo Switch to your kids, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his kids? It occurred to me, you know what Jesus was really talking about? He wasn't saying, hey guys, why don't you have more faith? How come you didn't muster up Joshua chapter one when he says, be not afraid, but be strong and of good courage. Like how, how, how come you didn't think back to how I, God brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea? How, he, no, he was going, guys, well, you have small confidence and trust in this good heavenly father who's with us. Again, what does Psalm 127 say? Throw, throw back at it one more time. Psalm 127 and Kimberly, you can come play if you want because that'll really help me. But, but Psalm 127, again, what does it say? It's vain for you to rise up early and to go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives those who know lots of Bible verses rest. He gives those who know how to just be a man of God and stand in faith. No, it says, for he gives his kids, he gives his beloved rest. And it occurred to me, Jesus is asleep on this boat and he has such great confidence and such great rest because he's got a really good dad in heaven. He's like, he's with me, he's for me. He's not gonna let anything happen to me. He promised he'll never leave me. He'll promise he's not gonna forsake me. He's my protector. The Bible says that, that God's eye does not rest. It does not sleep. He does not slumber. God is never taking a day off. God doesn't take naps. God is never at rest so we can be at rest.
taking notes, you can write this down. My last thought, my last point tonight, it's simply this. Confidence in your heavenly Father's love is what brings peace. 1 John 4.18 says this. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears, someone say whoever. Whoever fears has not been perfected in God's love. By, by the way, that's, like, that's not like condemnation. That's not like God being like, oh, okay, wow, bro. Okay, Bob, you're afraid again? Um, have you not been doing your homework? Are you, have you not become, per-? He, he's just saying like, hey, one of the signs and symptoms that God's love hasn't fully been just made, made perfected or been made complete in your heart. It's fear. The, the, the perfected love of God, it literally drives out. It casts out fear. Why? Because, because love, love brings peace and love brings confidence. Can I ask you tonight, how, how different would your life and your perspective be if you just had this supreme confidence. I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about the Bible. I'm definitely not a perfect person. I definitely don't have it all together and I make dumb decisions sometimes, but man, I, 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 I have a God. I serve a God who is not just some distant God up in heaven, but he's actually my dad. Jesus, one of the predominant ways he describes God is as a father. I have a really good heavenly father. He loves me unconditionally. Just like he said of Jesus that he was his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. According to my Bible, God calls me his beloved son, his beloved daughter in whom he is well pleased. God is not mad at me. God is not distant from me. God unconditionally has set his love upon me. The Bible says if I were to count the number of times that God thinks about me in a singular day, it would outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. God is thinking about me. I'm on his mind. He knows everything that I have need of before I even ask and he has promised me that he will never leave me, never forsake me. He'll always, how different would life be? Like, bro, I'm good. Why, why are you good? Why, why, why do you have a great calm? Because, man, I got a great dad. I have a great calm because I have a great dad. He's up in heaven and he cares about me and he's watching over me. You know, one of the reasons that it's really hard for me to, to tell my kids they're not allowed to come to my room at night. Oh, you better believe. If there's such a temptation for me to be like, listen, if you come to my room in the middle of the night and you wake me up, you might as well bring a belt because like it's like this, my flesh is how I feel. But, but you know why I can't do that? Be, because I can remember. It doesn't make any sense, but I can remember. There were times at night where I'd go to my parents' room and I never slept in bed with my parents. Like, if you do that or like, like 
Like, well, can you imagine, like, right now you're 17, you're like, yeah, bro, I sleep with my parents a lot. It's kind of a big deal. You know, I had a bad dream. I watched Signs. I don't know if you've seen the movie. It was pretty freaky. And so, yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, I never slept in my parents' bed, but um, I, I would, like, just get a blanket and sleep next, like, next to their bed. And there's just something about sleeping next to my parents' bed. It's like I, I, I've never slept that good before. It's, it's like I, I, I can tell in the, in the more I think about it often, um, often, I wish it wasn't often, but it is um, when I get up and I'm getting out of bed, like stepping over a child, like you did it again. How dare you? And, and you can just tell how deep they're sleeping. Not every time, but a lot of times I think, man, there's just something about being close to mom and dad. There's just something about being close that just brings confidence. What if we felt like that with our Heavenly Father? What if we knew that He was close? What if we knew that He loved and He cared and He wasn't mad, but He was present? It would bring peace. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't want to calm the wind and waves. What I am saying is that He offers a great calm in the midst of it. So much so that like Jesus, you can find sweet sleep. It's vain to rise up early, to stay up late eating the bread of anxious toil. Why? Because he gives his beloved kids sleep. Here's how I close. How do I become confident in God's love? Can I tell you how? It's very, very simple. Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Do you know how you become confident in God's love? By hearing it over and over and over and over and over again. I'm, I, I grew up, I, I, I'm blessed to have a good mom and dad, and I grew up confident in my parents' love because I heard the words over and over. And do you know how you become confident? You have to hear it over and over and over again. You gotta spend time going to God's word and reminding yourself and reminding yourself that I'm loved by God, I'm loved by God. But here's here's where we're closing. We can remind ourselves all we want, but ultimately, someone say ultimately, ultimately, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. I, I, I wish, I really do. I wish I had a formula to go, hey, if you want to become confident in God's love so much so that you could be at, you know, at peace and sleeping in the midst of a storm, do X, Y, and Z. But it's not that simple enough. Be, be, because it's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's the Spirit of God that cries out in our hearts, Abba, Father. So, so what do we have to do? We have to be consistent to keep on putting ourselves, bringing ourselves, inviting ourselves into the presence of God. You know, you know one of the things that I've been praying a lot lately, like a, a lot. I've been praying, God, convince me how much you love me. It's been one of my prayers every single day. God, like I, I think I know how much you love me, but God, convince me. Holy Spirit, overwhelm me with how much you love me. I can't just know it here, God. I got to know it here.
And God, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired of getting up in the middle of the night. I'm kind of tired of staring at my ceiling. I'm tired of feeling anxious, toil. God, I need to know the love of God, the perfected love of God in my heart that casts out fear. So Holy Spirit. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.